0: Well, as we continue uh, to talk about what does it mean to be the church, not just to do church, uh, I want to start off today with a question for you. And what is it that makes church, church for you? What do you think it is that sticks out to you? What makes it something that you want to be part of? Uh, What makes it something that you are part of? Uh, What brings you joy in it and all of that kind of stuff? Uh, Thursday night we, did, uh, we actually did a Bible study with our teenagers and I kind of started asking this question with them and the answers vary. They're all over the place. You had, uh, you had things like food, because uh, it's teenagers and food is always a vital part of their, uh, I guess, growth. Uh, you had food, but then you also had a lot of things, uh, once we got past the joking, like that they love the family. They love the way that people treat you. It's a place that you come one used a, one of them used a specific phrase which was it's a place that I can come and feel like I belong and not feel like i'm judged that's what church is. a lot of times we uh, we feel that too, and I think i've 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 used it before, but we often also love when we serve other people and you continue to see that as we go through what does it mean to be the church instead of to do the church and so uh, I think for each of us, that thing that sticks out to you is going to be different. And uh, I can definitely tell you that as a kid, I grew growing up, I probably thought that the best part of church was the food. Uh, I remember my parents taking me to VBS, about the first time they could get me to go to something, and I went to VBS and I thought it was awesome because I was like, I was a growing boy at the time, and uh, the our teacher just was like. At that point, I was like sixth grade, weighed like 60 pounds, um, a long time ago. Uh, and they were like, oh, you need some meat on your bones. You want a hot dog, You know, a corn dog? Here you go. Here's a, here's a corn dog. And I just kept eating them as they brought them to me. And so I would just keep eating and keep eating. And I remember going home being like, I need to go more, Mom. They fed me fed me 13 hot dogs. My mom did not think that was as funny. In fact, I, they, she talked to the teacher the next day and told him they were no longer allowed to feed me as much as that. So, uh, But then as I got older, uh, the next year actually, I got into seventh grade, and I started finding joy in service. I got asked by our preschool minister at First Baptist Round Rock at the time to come and to serve in the preschool ministry, and my immediate thought was, Why? Why? Not me. No, I don't like kids. I don't want to do that. And uh, so she convinced me to come do it. And then I got there and I thought, ooh, I get paid to do this. This is awesome. And then I started doing it for the children's ministry, but not being paid for it. And it's just this natural progression. And the more and more I got into it, the more and more I wanted to do it. So much so that when I graduated from college, I went back home and worked a different job. Uh, and spent probably more time at church volunteering with every other ministry that I could instead of doing my job all the time. And so that doesn't always work out well. But I found this service, this service love for me. I loved it. And as I was preparing for this this week, I kind of kept coming back to um, this, this, this passage out of Acts where I feel like we see a very good look at what the church that Jesus put forward for us and what he promised each of us. And so I want us to take a look at that this morning and I want us to see what the this church was built on and what it was promised to be and what it was founded in. Cuz I'll tell you the end story of all of it is doesn't matter. This is what we're supposed to be as a church. But so let's take a look at this in Acts chapter 2 starting in verse 41. And I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to go ahead and read for you. And it starts off with this: so those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about three thousand people were added to them. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed throughout the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all, as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved." So I think this is a great view for us of what the early church looked like. And you see a lot in that. First off, you start off by seeing that they came to know Christ. Then we see they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And so i just could go ahead and throw this out there. One of the ways that the church was built and modeled back in that time, fellowship. We had fellowship together. The church that Jesus built and promised and was founded in was founded in fellowship. But not just that. There's more to it. and we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. But I look at, you know, if you ever want to know what student ministry looks like, it's just a giant, what can we do that's crazy and not make sense? And everybody's like, why on earth would you do that? But it's something that we want them to learn how to do. We want them to learn how to fellowship with one another. How to come together with one another and enjoy one another, right? Then you continue on and you see, well, actually, you go right back to it and you see they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. You know what it also was built in? It was built in discipleship. Discipleship, I think, is something that's key, and I think it's crucial, because guess what? We're called to disciple one another, and that's a little bit more where you're gonna come into those small groups and those times and stuff like that. We're called to be one one with each other and to walk through life with one another. We're called to teach each other. We're called to push each other. We're called to sit down, read God's word, study through it, and do all of those things. We're called to disciple. I always laugh because with students of love, sitting down with them and getting to go through that kind of a process And and so often we look at our younger generation and we think, okay, well, they can't do this or they can't do that. They can't sit down and really think about that. They're not going to devote the time to it. But you'd be amazed when we walk with somebody and walk with them and go through it with them how much they want to do it. I remember one time actually looking at a student and saying, Uh, hey, you want to do a devotional with me? I just want to go through it with you and sit down and talk about it and everything. And then as we get into it, I'm looking back like a year later, and I'm going, oh, gosh, we're still doing this, and you're actually holding me accountable on it now because I forgot that we were supposed to meet. When we challenge each other, when we push each other, it's not any different. We're called to be one with another. We're called to come alongside each other and to disciple one another. And we have to grow in this. Then, of course, we're called, and it was founded in worship. They praised, they did all that kind of thing, they prayed. Continues on, and we're called to worship. And you come here and you do that on a Sunday a lot, but guess what? We're called to worship everywhere we go. We're called to worship with one another. We can sing God's praises in everything we do. And as we continue on throughout the day, as we continue on throughout everything, I once thought I could only pray when I like, had to sit down, and I had to fold my hands, had to bow my head, close my eyes. That's the only time I could pray. But guess what? <laughs> Learned a whole different side of that. You can pray anytime, anywhere, and do anything, and you can worship God in everything you do. I've told students before, but I had to cut out certain kinds of music out of my life because the more I was pouring in, the worse my worship actually was, the worse my attitude was. So, so far we've said founded in fellowship, discipleship, worship, and then I'm going to call it ministry, but I'm going to explain that a little bit better. Ministry is more of that service. There's nothing better than serving alongside each other. There's nothing better than serving with one another. There's nothing better than serving in general. That's what I found as a seventh grader. I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I'm ADD and crazy and all this kind of stuff and can't ever focus and... Didn't really enjoy school, and so I'm going, well, what on earth am I going to do with this? And at some point it was, ooh, this sounds like fun. I can play games with teenagers and throw things at them and not get fired for it, and it'll be fine. And play dodgeball with them. It's fun. But I realized so much more out of that is it's is fun just serving them and loving on them and caring about them. It's so much fun loving other people and serving other people and caring about them. I don't know if you remember, a couple of weeks ago we did this thing called Serve Sunday. And I don't know how you felt about that, but I felt like it was awesome. And the conversations that were coming afterwards with some of the people that we partnered with, I thought was awesome. I thought it was just absolutely beautiful and wonderful that we took a Sunday, we went out and we served other people and we focused on it. And for a lot of us, is the only time we were able to sit down and to do that But we're called, as a church, to be very involved in service. And the last one, and that one, you heard, uh, as we go a little bit further, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple, broke bread from from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. People are coming together. Serving with one another, breaking bread with one another, so fellowshipping with one another, praising God with one another, and then also bringing other people into the fold with that. And that word is evangelism. And it's something that every single one of us are called to do. Each one of us is called to evangelize. Each one of us is called to go out and to teach others. But we're going to explore that one a little bit further down. So I want you to hear something out of this. When Functioning properly, the church is the hope of the world, and we, as the church, are not called to do church, but to be the church. We're called to all of these aspects of it. We're called to fellowship, to disciple, to worship, to serve, I started to say to to ministry, that doesn't make sense, and to evangelize. We're called to do all of these things. We're called to be part of this, not to be part of this piece over here or this piece over here. And you saw why in Brittany's example earlier. The more involved we are and the more that we're into this and the more that we're pouring into ourselves and doing the things, the way that the church was founded in, the better off we are, the harder it is for us to lose that. And so when functioning properly, the church is the hope of the world, and we as the church are called not to just do church, but to be church, be the church. And I don't want you to hear out of that. That's not. It's not me saying, oh, you're not called to actually attend church. No, no, I'm saying you're not just here to sit in a pew. You're here to worship God. You're here to serve. You're here to praise. You're here to do all of those kinds of things. And I will tell you, it's in the church that we tend to find a deep sense of community that fulfills our longing for friendship. That's called fellowship. I'll just go ahead and tell you, that's called fellowship. And that was actually one of the things that I heard uh, from our students on Thursday was uh, one of them specifically said, you know, it's at church and it's with the student ministry, it's, it's with serving other people, it's all that, that it's kind of like this weird friendship that I have that I don't know how to explain. And I tell you that I think we tend to feel that. For a lot of us, you go into a church and there's a different feel. I don't get the same feel when I go into a restaurant. I don't get the same feel when I go to school. I don't get the same feel when I get all those things. When I go to church, I get this different feeling and I feel like I'm cared for and I'm loved. And even sometimes by people, I have no idea who they are. It's in the church that we get this deep sense of community It's in the church that we receive teaching, training, mentoring for how we can be the people that God has called us to be. So right there, that's discipleship. We get teaching from others. We get to come alongside each other. We get training for life. We get all these kinds of things. We've all probably been through something at some point that you sit down and you start talking with somebody else one Sunday or one Wednesday or whatever, and they're going, Oh, yeah, I went through that. That's holy as me. That's happened to me recently. It's a group of people that you walk through life. Discipleship isn't just coming in here on a Sunday morning and hearing somebody preach at you. It's getting into God's word consistently. It's walking through life with one another. You heard uh, in verse 46, Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. You hear that? They did things together. They came together with one another. They were part of each other. And I think what's always interesting in this, you don't really see a lot in this thing that talks about they came and did this with their friends. They came and did this with their group. They came and did this. You hear together, together, together. Everybody in here is together we walk with each other. And sometimes you walk a little closer with some others, but we walk with each other. And if discipleship is working correctly, if we're doing discipleship the right way, we're discipling each other and then those people are going, and out, going out and discipling each other. And I think too often we get caught in a cycle of, I'm gonna disciple you and then I'm gonna continue to disciple you and then I'm gonna continue to disciple you and we never get to that point. I had a student one time, his name was Matthew, (laughs) it's a great name, Uh, his name was Matthew, he's a great kid, he's an awesome kid, and I sat down and I was kind of going through a a, a discipleship pathway with him and a couple others, and for two and a half years, I'm walking through this with him, and I kept sitting there just being like, dude, why don't you go out and do this for other people, I just don't think I'm ready for that, you're totally ready for that, I'm just not ready for that, I just can't do it, I just can't do it, okay, why can't you do it, well, I don't know what to say. I don't know the Bible that well and I'm sitting there going I don't know the Bible that well but for him he was scared and it's funny one day I just said okay it's time for you to go it's time for you to go and it's time for you to do it with somebody else I'm going to challenge you now to say you need to turn around and you need to go and you need to walk with somebody else so go choose somebody do it and there we go Matthew still walks with that kid, even though they are uh, headed into college now. They're doing all this kind of stuff. He is still walking with that student and has been through a lot with that kid. And that kid has opened up to him even at times. And I keep laughing because so often we get into those situations and we have to get pushed into them. And then we go, oh, that was awesome. It's like we're about to head off to camp. And I'm just going to plug this in here for my teenagers right now. We're We're about to head off to camp. And every year I always have to battle this thing of don't bring your phone. Why? Because you need to separate yourself from everything else going on so that you can focus in on God's word. And every year there's at least one person that's like, nope, I totally need my phone and I have to have it. And at some point we end up having to take it from them. And then by Thursday we get to the point where they're like, hey, I just want to tell everybody it is awesome when you don't have your phone. So you need to listen and you need to not have your phone like I did. And I'm sitting there always going, no, you did not. (laughs) We had to push you into that. But it's in those moments where we're pushed that we turn around and we encounter God on a deeper level. We discover and encounter, it's in the church that we discover and encounter God and live out our true life purpose. That's worship. And we discover, I don't know about you, but I come into a worship service and I often feel God and I feel Him talking to me, I feel Him moving in my heart. That's worship. It's in church that each member is using his or her God-given gifts, talents, and abilities to serve one another and the world around them. That's an easy one. That's ministry. That's service. We're called to use our gifts and talents to serve each other. It's in the church that the lost receive the opportunity to embrace Christ as their Savior. And I want you to catch this piece because I think you're going to recognize this. It's in the church, the lost receive the opportunity to embrace Christ as their Savior and discover that they are fully known and fully loved by God and by others. Does that sound familiar to anybody? It's kind of the vision, right? You probably heard it a few times. Yeah, (laughs) thank you, Walt. It's right here, fully known, fully loved. It's evangelism. We want others, we as a church have said that we want others to discover that they're fully known and fully loved by God and by others. And that's evangelism. So there's a lot to all of that. And what do you hear out of that? Here are a few things. First, for the, ch- the church to function properly, I will. So I'm gonna turn this around for me and I want you to do it for yourself as well. For the church to function properly, I will. Grow closer to others through fellowship, okay? We're gonna grow together in fellowship. Lindell gets up here and talks about how he's an introvert all the time. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you right now. May not seem like it, but I kind of am too. And I like my alone time and I like my time by myself. At the beginning of COVID, it was like, ooh, I get to stay home. And then like two weeks later, it was like, ooh, this is not good. Because I was missing that connection with other people. And what I actually found was as I came back to it, it was harder to get back into it because I had gotten away from it. Man, we grow closer to others and you get that deep sensing of belonging. For the church to function properly, I will grow deeper through discipleship. I think this is actually probably one of the ones that I struggle even mostly with because nobody likes to be told they're wrong, especially me, especially by Lyndall. Nobody likes to have the accountability. Nobody likes this part of it, but we grow deeper outside of our comfort zone, and we need other people to push us towards that. For the church to function properly, I will grow stronger through worship. It's in worship that we come, and we have that intimate relationship, that intimate moment with God, and we grow closer to him. For the church to function properly, I will grow fuller through ministry. What I mean by that, if you've ever heard Cup Overfloweth, man, as you serve other people, you get fed back. And if you've ever read uh, Proverbs 11, but Proverbs eleven twenty five says this, A generous person will be enriched, and the one who gives a drink of water will receive a drink of water. When I was growing up, I started serving in children's ministry. I mentioned, and I started doing because I thought, "Why not be at church whenever I can serving people?" I started doing about 70 hours in a summertime with children's ministry and preschool ministry, and doing all of that. And then I started going into student ministry over time, and I always sit there and like get towards the end of the summer, and you're exhausted. But I think a lot of us that have served in ministry over time, uh, and not just as a staff member, but people who have truly served. Man, when you go and you serve other people, when you go serve kids, when you go serve youth, when you go serve adults, it doesn't really matter. You come back with this refreshed attitude. I always feel filled back up because I get to see it. Yeah, I'm I'm physically exhausted, but spiritually I feel stronger than ever. It's why I love student ministry. It's why I love students, because you go with them, you deal with the craziness and the weirdness and all of that, and then you see them grow in their relationship, and you get refilled like that. And finally, and this one comes back to it again, for the church to function properly, I will help others discover that they are fully known, fully loved by God and by others by telling them of Christ's love for them. You know, this is, as we've been talking about what's coming in the fall and all of that, and we're talking about this idea of um, more intentionally doing life together and coming in and worshiping and serving together and doing all of this, I get excited about it because I get excited about coming and being strengthened in worship, which is something I'm able to do. I get excited about being part of a group which I will even say for me is something I'm not always able to do on a Sunday because I'm working with students. For our students, I get excited about it because guess what? We get to more intentionally disciple them and spend time on them and try to love on them and not just do it for 45 minutes on a Sunday morning, but to come together with them and to do it deeply. And of course, I'm always excited to serve. I absolutely love that aspect of it. And I think it's awesome because we have so many different areas that we can come back and we can serve one another. And i just tell you, when you do it, you get refilled. And so for me, I get excited about that. But I also love a verse, a particular passage out of Matthew. It's Matthew chapter 5, and most of you will probably recognize this. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made Salty. It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. I don't know how much you've ever really gone into that verse and the meaning of it. Because it sounds kind of weird saying, be the salt of the earth. Right? In fact, in, it, our, uh, our today's generation has a different term for salty, and that is usually upset. So to be more salty means to be more upset. Um, so I'm going to flip that around. I'm going to tell you to be more salty, but in a completely different way. To be salt means to deliberately, deliberately seek to influence the people in one's life, okay? So to be salt means to deliberately, that's intentionally, that's putting a purpose behind it. Seek to influence the people in one's life by showing them unconditional love by God through good deeds. So you're called to be the salt of the earth. So you're called to deliberately seek to influence the people in your life by showing them God's love, unconditional love even when it's hard. So be more salty. To be the light means to be a witness to others. And it means to be a witness to others concerning the truth of God's word. And again, that comes back to who Christ is and how he died and how he rose for each one of us. I think that's what we all strive for. We want everybody to know that they're fully known and that they're fully loved. And how do we do it? We come together And we show Christ's love to each other in every aspect. And so I challenge you to think through who is somebody that you can go show Christ's love to that you need to. As we walk into this next part of our our, our phase or uh, stage or whatever of the life of our church, where do you fit in that? Where does your group fit in that? Because I'll tell you, I think a long time ago in this world, some of us, not in this church, but in this world, we got away from what church was meant to be. You heard me ask you earlier, what is church to you and what makes it church? And for many of us, I think it comes back to relationships. It comes back to service. It comes back to worship. It comes back to fellowship. It comes back to ministry. It comes back to sharing what Christ with one another. And no matter where we go, no matter what we do, no matter what it looks like, that's what we're called to do. And each one of us is called to grow closer to one another, to grow stronger in worship, to grow deeper through discipleship, to grow fuller in ministry, and to help others know and discover that they're fully known and fully loved by God. Would you bow your heads with me?